Sometimes the biggest giants are the gentlest giants. But this gentle giant is also a genius giant. While the oceanic manta ray might not be smarter than a fifth grader, it does use its brain in ways that would make other fish extremely sad and jealous if they had any feelings. In fact, it's those feelings that make the manta ray a prime candidate for smartest swimming blanket. But when you're the biggest fish in the pond, you can afford a little self-awareness here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, visit Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And today we're talking about a buckle-pumping pup-sucking histroph in huge chunks. That sentence will only get grosser when you know what those words mean. But more on that later. Good job. Good job on the first, saying that whole thing uh, flawlessly on the first try. It was definitely the first try. Yes. Uh, no, definitely no previous attempts were um, uh, bungled and then edited out. <laughs> I'm very uh, proud of you. Thanks. So who's this, who's this uh, buckle pumper? We're talking about the giant oceanic manta ray. Yes. Otherwise known as... The self-conscious Selkath, which is okay, that's a this really deep cut to a species of Star Wars alien in Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> Their faces look exactly like a manta ray. We're also called the focused fish and flappy cheeks. <laughs> Would you like to know where it sits in the animals animal uh, the animal kingdom? Spoiler alert! It's in the kingdom of animal. <laughs> You know what? I I would like to know. For okay. once. For once, why don't you tell us? Well, like since I just said, you know what? You you love it. You got to have it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the king, you're in it. The Kingdom of Animalia. We're going to get sued by Coldstone Creamery. <laughs> for sure. Well, the phylum is Cordata. And I knew you it. Know what that means. Uh, say it loudly. Vertebrate. Yeah. It's in the class Chondrichthys, uh, which is made up of cartilaginous fish like sharks, skates, and rays. Initially, when I wrote this down, I automatically put Actinoptergy because I was like, it's a fish. I know what this one is. And then <laughs> I was proven wrong because it's cartilaginous, not bony. Very true. It is not bony. Uh, it's in the order Mylobatiformes. That makes like- sense. My, that, Mylio? Myliobatiformes? Yeah, probably. Myliobatiformes include four orders of batoids, which are, which is a suborder of rays that look like bats because they have wings. They ain't circular. True, true. Uh, they are all, the, the family is Mobulidae. Mobulidae? Something like that, yeah. Which is a family made up of the largest species of rays. And then the genus is Mobula, which is which is also called flying rays because its members like to breach, like jumping out of the water. Hmm. I wonder if the uh, eagle ray is in Mobula. It it's is. Not the, it's not the largest or anywhere close to the largest, but it, it does is. like to fly. It's in Mobula. Uh, it's not. 
I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, someone can correct me in the comments below on some website somewhere. Uh, the species is Birostris. Birostris. Mobula Birostris. Isn't that great? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, I'm looking at the family for eagle rays. And uh, it looks like it's it, it, all anything in Myliobatidae is um, is technically an eagle ray. So yes, these are all eagle rays. Even the well, manta that, ray is an eagle ray. I did not know that. That's the family. We're in Mobulidae, so it might be different. No, my sorry, sorry. Order the order is Milo. Uh, oh no, wait, you're Myliobatiformes. Right. Yeah, so the family is Myliobatidae is um, under the order of myliobatiformes yeah, so yeah so different. close but now not not completely <laughs> but no c- no cigar yeah at they all. don't get because they can't light it underwater cigars are gross but do you have something i do before I the do. description i do i there is something that i would like to say or interject here before the description and um that thing a is critter groups a brief interruption yes um a, a fun and and good interruption um <laughs> This is the part of the show where I ask you a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? What is the term of venery, or what is the collective noun? And this is our very first stingray of the whole show. Uh, so it's a it's a momentous occasion. Let's let's uh, so technically it in. not a stingray, but we'll talk about that. later. Well, it's a it, sorry. I mean I mean rays, but I could only find the one for stingrays, so we'll go with that. Okay. So, Joe, if you saw a group of stingrays, would you say that is A, a fever of stingrays, B, a sift of stingrays, C, a pad of stingrays, or D, a bustle of stingrays? A what? A bustle. Oh, pad works? Sift works? What was the first one again? Fever. Fever. All of these things make sense. Which means you might have arrived there through some mental, some mental work. Fever, because they sting you. Uh, sift, because they can filter feed. Or, f- f- uh, and then pad, because they're flat little guys. And then the third one was a shuffle. Or what do you, what do you say? Bustle. Bustle. <laughs> but that just sounds like a standard boxed. Term of venery, a bustle. It's box. It's 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 uh, well packaged. Hit me with your best shot. I guess I'm gonna go with the outlier and say it's a bustle. Final answer. Sure. Eh, it's incorrect. Uh, the answer was fever. I thought ah. for sure that you would, uh, when you started going through them, that you would pick fever because it's the only one that that doesn't really seem like. I had a, a way of arriving there. I usually just oh, think... Oh, I of, thought you arrived there because they sting you and you feel like a fever. I usually just um, see... I, 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 I picture in my mind's eye a large group of whatever animal it is, and I I think of what words d- help me like I come to bubble up when I'm looking at... So when I see, I see in my mind's eye a bunch of stingrays clumped together like sift bustle pad those things make sense to me unless the actual term is so out there that i have to 
I have to change my answers and find <laughs> things that are equally out there. So, yeah, the answer is it's a fever of stingrays. That's a good. That's a good one because they it? sting you. Do you get a fever though? I don't know. I feel. I feel like you feel sick. Do fevers sting? Yeah, they sting. <laughs> they sting Things because sting you can't you go out to make you feel like you have a fever. They sting because you can't go over to your friend's house or go outside to play when you have a fever. That's true. Emotional sting. Would you like to know what this thing looks like? Sure. Well, Wikipedia says this guy is dorsoventrally flattened, which I suppose means it's flattened along the x-axis. Dorso sure. meaning top and ventral meaning bottom. So it's flat. Unlike a uh, flounder, which has its eyes on one side, it's like, nope, that's still technically, That's. Uh, I guess a regular fish, like a reef fish would be the opposite of uh, dorsoventrally flattened. Like the dory fish is kind of flattened on the y-axis. I'm, yes, I'm trying to visualize this. <laughs> anyway, you know what a, a ray is flattened like, like with its, its flat belly pointing to the ground. Mm-hmm. So unlike other rays and skates with round pancake bodies, our giant has long wing-like fins, hence the batoid distinction. They're also called... They're, I, I saw that they were called... Members of the genus were called eagle rays for these winged features, but... Maybe that's just a nickname, and then there's also another eagle ray, or maybe I just read about eagle rays. I always thought but eagle rays were a very specific species of ray, like the they might be the spotted but ones. I'll, I'll tell you one thing: I bet you they have batoid fe- uh, features like these wing-like fins. They do. Uh, they f- feature some stark counter shading, which tell uh, uh, say out loud, out your window, out your car window, what counter shading is. I'll, li- I'll wait. That's correct. It's light on the bottom, dark on top, so that you blend in with the uh, light from above and blend in with uh, from below, or from below, and then from above you look you blend in with the darkness of the abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty stark. So they have almost a black color on top and a white color on the ventral side. But Big Ray has white fin tips and two white streaks that come from the front of their head and go towards their back. So there's some there's some modeling to break up the pattern. Uh-huh. Uh they also have something called cephalic fins, which are those signature appendages that come from the sides of their heads and curve downward and in. Yeah, they're like if mandibles. Seen, yeah, almost like mandibles, but they're flexible and they can roll up these fins into little torpedoes on the front of their faces. And these quote-unquote horns or would give them the nickname Devil Ray. I thought a Devil Ray was something else. It might also be. Goodness, uh, we can't we can't land on a consensus with these names. Uh, when they're unrolled, they funnel plankton into their mouths while fe- feeding. That's what they're for. That makes so, sense. So they also have the infamous tail, but like most manta rays, they have no stinger on the end. It's just a nub. I tried to find what they're for. I could not. So maybe they're just for mimicry. Yeah, because the manta ray really needs to mimic more something some smaller, more dangerous. <laughs> I don't think it has very much to worry about. It does have some stuff to worry about, but not much. And we'll talk about that later. But for now, 
It's called Giant. How giant is it? Turns out, whatever you're picturing, it's bigger than that. <laughs> but there's only one way to be sure, and that's through a fun little segment I like to call Measure Up. Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show when that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words Measure Up into LD Taxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure of intro this week, so we Got get to it. hear from an animal, and Carlos has to guess what it is. Great. <laughs> Are you ready? Yep. Is it A? Oh, well, you have to hear it. <laughs> I first. have to hear what's going on. What's this reverse psychology you're doing on me? Okay. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. you hear that yes so like to hear it again uh no i'm good okay so is it a a finch b a squirrel the infamous squirrel yeah you you put squirrel there a lot c monkey or d frog finch is really specific squirrel and monkey are obvious choices to have to 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 muddy the waters and then frog is the one that would be the most alarming uh, I'm going to go with Finch. Final answer. Final answer? Yes. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer was squirrel. What? That's right. Oh, boy. We finally did the squirrel. Masterful crafting of of multiple choice answers. Yeah, you can hear... This is a red squirrel. I played... I was looking at, like, gray squirrel sounds, and they are way more specific... Like, you would recognize them because you've heard them before. But Maybe. these guys sound like a little bit more like birds or... It seemed too obvious to be a squirrel. <laughs> but that's the that's the case. I, I have been planning the squirrel for a long time, and I've been putting it in there just to throw you off. Really? For the last couple episodes, yeah, I've just been throwing in squirrels so that I like because I knew squirrels made weird sounds. What if I'd gotten that right? That would have been so disappointing. It would have been, but I knew you wouldn't have because it's it was it, I picked a particularly strange sounding squirrel. Uh, or it might be pretty normal for the red squirrel, but and I don't usually hear a red squirrel. I'm a gray squirrel kind of guy. That's that's good. Don't want to yoke anyone's yak. Uh, are you ready for the length yes or width Uh, or length whichever one works they I wrote there the wrong there but they're around 4.5 meters to 15 feet on average but they can go up to 7 meters or 23 feet that's a huge dude Uh, that's their length or their width that's their disc size. I don't see anything about this that screams disc to me. So I don't know what this means, <laughs> but I think it's like this circular body that the fin is on. So like any fish, you have the body and then you have the fin. So disc, I think, means maybe from front to back. So then what 
What's its wingspan? That's what I want to know. Bigger, probably. Okay. But even if we're talking like just the body, seven meters, 23 feet, huge. So, how many manta rays go into the height of a stack of every Finding Nemo DVD sold up to 2006? (laughs) Here, stack. Oh, boy. There isn't even a manta ray in that movie. (laughs) Yes, there is. There's there's Mr. Ray, but he's not a manta ray. What is he? He's just some other kind of ray, but he doesn't have the mandible fins. And he's also not the biggest thing ever. He's pretty big. He's bigger than all the little fish, but he's a... He would just... He he would drown the, the... That poor little reef in... In, in darkness. The spotted ray is an eagle ray. Is that what he is? Is spotted ray? All right. Yeah. Since up to 2006, you said? Yeah. So I can only find stats up to 2006. And I'm assuming that the most of... Most of the DVD sales come from the first year anyway. Yeah, it came so out in 2003. Yeah. I don't remember when the DVD was released. But... Here's a hint. Even though monumentally popular movies like Frozen have come out since Marlin uh, adventured to 42 Wallaby, Wallaby Way, Sydney, Finding Nemo remains the highest selling DVD of all time, which I did not know. Of all time, not just Disney DVD? All time. Oh, my goodness. Which I didn't know when I decided to use Finding Nemo DVD stack heights for this. Uh, wow. It may also hold that status forever since movies are now released on DVD, Blu-ray, and digitally on day one. Why? Why this? It was a monumentally popular thing right at the end of the life of the of DVD, of a DVD's exclusivity when it comes to home video. I guess like Netflix came out in like 2008 or something like that. But even then, um, day one, it wouldn't have been on Netflix. It would have been... If it was going to be on Netflix, it would be there at least a month after the DVD release. DVDs didn't really have that much of a, that long of a reign. Interesting. Okay, so, wow, <laughs> you you could have given me 40 guesses and I wouldn't have told you Finding Nemo as the, as the, the highest selling DVD of all time. Well, it's family friendly, it's Pixar, so everyone can enjoy it. It makes sense to me. I would have gone through a lot of the other Pixar movies before getting to that one. But but um, but, it, but stuff made after it was probably the fact that it's released on Blu-ray cuts into those DVD sale numbers. But anyway, yeah. you have two variables. The thickness of a DVD. <laughs> well, that one's easy to estimate. And the You've number got... of copies sold up to 2006. Wait, a DVD or the box? The DVD itself. Oh, that's more difficult to estimate. Would you like me know. to tell you the thickness of a DVD? No, I'm going to guess. We're guessing. Okay. We might as well guess the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. We're, so I'm going to guess that Um. Uh, 10 million copies were sold. That sounds like a lot. I've never actually looked at the number of DVDs sold those are anything. finding dory numbers <laughs> actually really? don't know what finding Do- dory sold 
It was probably um, a lot because it was a sequel, and sequels are successful. Probably fewer DVDs, though. Def- I, I mean, we know definitely fewer DVDs because Finding Nemo Holt is the king. So I'll say 10 million, and I don't know, um, 50 DVDs go into a foot? Yeah, so all of those DVDs stacked together would be 200,000 feet. That can't be right. <laughs> I mean, maybe it can be. Okay, we'll, we'll stick with it. 200,000 feet. If you stack them end to end, they would like go well into Wait, the end exosphere. Wait, end to end? No, no, sorry. On top of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and we're going with 23 feet? No, we're going for 15, the average. Sorry. Oh, 15. Okay, so we're going to say 13,333 manta rays go into this stack of the best movie of all time (laughs) well for the first time you may have overestimated so the correct answer is 5,249 oh wow so they only sold well actually there's so many variables (laughs) I estimate on that I don't know which part is wrong the stack would be 24,000 meters or 78,740 feet high Finding Nemo sold over 40 million copies. And the and DVDs are 0.6 millimeters thick. I was so, so wrong. You were wrong in a couple of different directions, and usually that works in your favor. Not this time. Yeah. <laughs> you severely underestimated the amount of DVDs, but I think what sales- did you overestimate by a lot the thickness of a DVD? Yeah, it must have been. I said 50 DVDs go into a foot. There must be a lot more. All Okey right. <laughs> Let's talk about weight. This one's a lot simpler. The heaviest rays can be up to thir- 3,000 kilograms or 6,600 pounds. Holy crap. That's, that's a, a heavy boy. That's a heavy, hefty fish. That's half an elephant. Yeah. So how many clownfish go into the weight of a giant ray? Oh, you're really sticking with this Finding Nemo thing, huh? Yeah. Would you like a hint? Uh, yeah, sure. Give give me a hint. I'm sure this will be very helpful and instructive. This is probably the most helpful one so far. A clownfish is considerably smaller than a human clown. <laughs> <laughs> Even the smallest human clowns are bigger than a clownfish. Darn you. <laughs> wow. I'm um, trying to think of what Epcot taught me about the size of a clownfish, which is... It taught me by showing me like actual clownfish. <laughs> I don't know how much do fish weigh. That must that has. I'm, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to 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 get into the ounce zone over here and figure out if an ounce is too much to give to this fish. <laughs> uh, I'll say, say half an ounce. How many ounces? How many grams were in an ounce? Did we figure that out? We're gonna say half an ounce for this clownfish, full-grown clownfish. Um, because they're like the size of a goldfish, right? Like a decent size a goldfish. Goldfish so, can vary in size a lot. The, like the ones that you win at carnivals. Oh, yeah. Pretty much that The size. basic one that costs like... They might that be they, a little that, smaller than that. The ones that like the the pet store will pay you to take. That's how inexpensive they are. Um, so what? Half an ounce, which means that there are 32 in a pound... Which seems wrong, but we're gonna go with it. And this is six thousand pounds, or six thousand six hundred pounds. So we're gonna go with two hundred and eleven thousand, two hundred, two hundred and eleven thousand 
clownfish go into the weight of uh, the manta ray? Once again, overestimating. Oh, boy. The correct answer is 11,974. Clownfish. No, wait. I underestimated the weight of Yeah, you underestimated the weight, the weight of a... Yeah. A clownfish is Sorry. about 250 grams. Eight ounces. Eight. Wow, it's Almost half nine. a pound. It's a hefty fish. I guess I didn't it's bigger than I thought. That I big. thought there were... Maybe I've only seen small ones at Epcot. Yeah, maybe I've only seen small ones too, but I've... I feel like I've... Yeah, they're, they're usually like a couple... Like maybe two inches max. But an, a half a pound fish, like goodness, that's... It's like a, it's like a sunfish, like a small. It's, like a, it's almost a mola mola, you know. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, are you ready for some fast facts before we get to the major fact? Yes. Okay, so the giant manta ray loves the open ocean and the feel of the currents on its cephalic fins. They Ew. <laughs> they prefer tropical waters far from land, but they may come further inland sometimes. In deep ocean, they or deep in, in open water, uh, they pick a direction and swim in a straight line until they find food. That's their strategy, and it works. Works for me too. Uh, <laughs> you just walk in a line until you find a buffet. Uh, or it's I just make a straight a beeline to my kitchen. <laughs> As with many open ocean creatures, we don't have a complete knowledge of their behavior and habits. Uh, it's thought that. It was once thought that zooplankton made up like the largest part of their diet, and it does make up a, sig- a significant amount of their diet, but they found that it's something else. When they find food, they swim around it to corral it into a cluster, and then they go through it to filter feed. However, it was later discovered that as much as 73% of their diet is from deep water fish. So these guys actually dive down into the deep zone of the ocean. Like some sharks, manta rays give birth to live young. Fertilized eggs develop and hatch in the female's oviduct. The hatched pups in the oviduct receive nutrients from milky uterine secretions called histotroph. Go on. So we're getting into the, the thing we talked about at the top of the episode. Uh, Isotroph. Yeah, it's it's like it's uterine milk. Uh, until unlike mammals that also give birth to live young, rays don't have a placenta, so babies aren't hooked into the mother's life support systems. So they need to get oxygen through through other means, and they buckle pump. Do you know? Do you remember what that is? Yeah, like uh, the snakehead uses that to. To breathe air yeah, and to suck prey into its mouth. It's like using your cheeks and suction to like uh, force oxygen in through the gills. So nice. Pups are born at around twenty pounds, with a disc size of more than four feet. So they come out looking Ooh. pretty much like an adult, but smaller. Like, like but bigger than most other rays. <laughs> yeah. Bigger than human babies. Uh, the giant manta ray is so big that it has very few natural predators, except for some sharks and c- cetaceans, including our friend the orca. So you can't get and you can't get anything past the orca. Yeah, so it's not so big that it's it's not like 
so big, like blue whale size. That's true. If a blue whale can be attacked and eaten by an, a pot of orcas, then... Really nothing's off the menu. Nothing's off the menu. Not even other orcas. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't... Can't. Is that true? Well, they'll, they'll, they'll kill, kill each but other. I, will they eat? I don't, I, don't, I don't think they eat each other. That's all I got. All right, so it's time for the major fact. You're thinking, I know what a manta ray is. What could you possibly teach me about a manta ray, Carlos? Well, here's something you may not have known. So when you think of intelligent animals, you don't usually think about fish. I don't, and most people don't. Uh, you probably think of dogs or bears or birds or elephants, primates, octopuses, dolphins. Those are the smart ones, but not fish. Velociraptors in Jurassic Park 3. Or yeah, just Jurassic Park in general. They're just, they're just, uh, they're smart. But in fact, a lot of people who have a problem with eating animals don't really have a problem with fish. Uh, because fish are stupid and ugly, right? You know? That, that, that just forget about them, right? Not you just not eat like them. reef fish. Have you seen a parrotfish? It's 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 got some pretty colors, but its face is just. Uh. <laughs> but and it's interesting. Like yeah, I guess what we we rate things animals that we can kill uh, as humans are you know we the first ones that you cannot kill are cute ones, and then the second ones that you cannot kill um, smart ones. Are smart ones. Except for pigs somehow flew under the radar and still get to get eaten somehow. Because they're both yeah. smart and intelligent. I'm. Well, you mean cute and intelligent? Oh, yeah. Cute and intelligent. But we don't eat the cute ones. We eat the ugly ones. Well, we wait till the cute ones become ugly ones by giving them food that makes uh, them I mean, even those... Big chonkers. But even big chonkers can be pretty We cute. don't eat those teacup pigs. They're, okay, so mm, if we're going to no. talk about this... I, there's no such thing as a teacup pig. They're I, malnourished it's not, pigs. It's not especially bred. No, well, that is, and they do it by it's not, like not a, giving them enough food, and then you take it's it. It's not into like your the Shetland pony normal, of pigs. Like people, no, it isn't. Like people buy a teacup pig and then feed it a normal diet, and then they become regular huge pigs. And they're like, what the heck? <laughs> you sold me a regular pig. <laughs> I didn't buy this porker. I wanted something little and cute. He weighs now 400 it's, pounds it's now. It's big and cute. And his hooves are puncturing my leather couch. I, you didn't tell me I couldn't feed him exclusively Klondike bars. <laughs> he, yeah, I didn't know he can was only a feed, Cliff Bar you, diet. You can only feed him sprigs of basil and that'll keep him teacup sized. Don't buy um, teacup pigs. Because <laughs> you haven't bought a teacup pig. You've bought a regular pig that, that just needs a sandwich. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so, while while I while pescatarians think that fish are dumb and ugly and deserve to be eaten, uh, everybody loves Raymond. Um, I don't want to yoke anybody's yak, so I can't speak for the ugly part. But the manta ray is one fish that doesn't fall into the dumb category. They actually have the largest brains of any fish, even proportional to their size. So obviously they're like some of the biggest fish. Uh, with the whale shark being one of the only fish that out uh, size them, outbig but, them. Yeah, there's, there's they they big a lot better than them. They're better biggers. <laughs> but the whale shark's brain is not um, is 
smaller than the manta's and substantially smaller in proportion to its body oh, literally size. smaller wow actually smaller yeah they have the actual largest brains of any fish and uh and there's a pretty strong correlation between brain size and propor- proportional to body size you know you say that they say that you know the tyrannosaurus rex had the brain the size of a walnut but you know that's proportional to its size so a squirrel with the si- a brain the size of a walnut would be pretty pretty good would be like it, yeah it would be a brainiac for sure <laughs> and that's just to indicate the amount of like energy reserves that that it's going to your brain right so it's like if a lot of your energy is sustaining your brain that must mean your brain's important and thinking's important yeah and you have more neurons in your brain and and yeah so like a, the clearly the, your your body as a whole is devoting a substantial amount of resources to your brain more than just keeping you alive and acting on instinct that's what's great for us humans we have very big brains compared to our bodies um so for the manta ray outside of being a social animal which means it recognizes and interacts with members of its own species in a meaningful way which is something that fish don't do very often they're usually just the gaping mouth wide-eyed like i'm just a force of nature kind of animals. Um, I don't care that anything else is around me. I act on instinct and am here to be a part of the food chain. Uh, the manta ray uh, will, and we'll talk um, talk later about how they interact with one another, um, but the manta ray will even go do things like regularly use cleaning stations. So like air, parts of the ocean, specifically reef, reefs where uh cleaner fish will remove parasites so it regularly comes to the same spot to have parasites removed working Um, at the car wash it's like that it's it's that what is shark tail he goes to the shark tail car wash oh that's a movie i never ended up seeing i think it came out like the year after finding Nemo, and was a a flop if i remember because of that it it might have been i don't know despite having so much will smith in it um but the real test of an of intelligence in an animal is consciousness or self-awareness so most animals aren't self-aware which means they don't they can't think of themselves as individual and separate entities within the world around them they just most animals just see them it's it's them and everything that's not them um, and this is why most animals are the, all their actions are guided by either instinct or just self-preservation selfishness. Um, they don't, it's, this is a tough thing to explain. Um, but, and I'll, th- this test that they use will explain it better. But, um, the point is, is that they don't see themselves as part of, as existing as part of the world it's the world is revolves around them and only their consciousness exists um, but for the manta ray they they understand that they are part of the world um, and so it's I mean, this is a tough thing to prove for a fish since their habits and jet and uh, gestures and everything are, are so different than ours mammals um, but one good test that they use is called the mirror self-recognition test or the MSR test. 
um, which basically means they put a mirror in front of an animal for a while and then they document its behavior compared to when it's not in front of a mirror. So for most animals, when you put a mirror in front of them, they ignore it, treat it like a wall. So this is, you know, most fish, uh, bugs, uh, small mammals, they'll, they'll, it's just, it's no different than a wall. Um, Social animals will usually assume that what they see in the mirror is a different member of their species. Uh, and they'll interact in a social way, usually aggressively, because they see this this new animal and they're just like, what are you doing in my territory? So like dogs and cats uh, are not self-aware because they will see their reflection and think that there's another dog or cat over there. So they'll bark or hiss or whatever. They don't see it as their own image. Um, but self-aware animals will recognize the image that they see in the mirror as themselves, uh, which is very rare in animals. Uh, apes, for example, like chimpanzees, orangutans, gorillas, they will use a mirror to check their fur in places that they can't see. So that's demonstrating that, okay, I know that this is me. And uh, I know that I can use this to my advantage. Um, elephants will inspect themselves with their trunk or they'll in, they'll uh, interact with places on their body that they could only see through a mirror. So they did one test with an elephant where they um, they put a, a, a some paint over one of their eyes um, and then they put a chemically identical paint over their other eye, but it was invisible. There was no there was no visible pigment to it. And when put in front of a mirror, the elephants would interact with the visible one, not the invisible one. So they could see like, oh, there's there's something on my eye. Like, what what is that? Um, so that's really rare in animals. I want to know how they made it a made a chemically identical yet v- invisible copy of a paint. Well, it's the so they put a chemical on on one uh, over one eye, and then they put that same chemical with a with a pigment, just like oh. a white colored pigment in on the other one. Um, so the I guess it's not chemically identical; it's the same chemical, but just with a. So the point is, is that they don't it's they can't interact with like it's there's no difference in smell. Um, so that they it's only visual, what what they see in the mirror. When they did this test with the manta rays, they placed a mirror in the enclosure of two rays. Um, And over time, as the scientists observed their behavior, the rays stopped interacting socially with each other and instead spent all of their time in front of the mirror. (laughs) So they would blow bubbles into the mirror. They would flip over and check their undersides. um, And uh, so this... One very unique thing about manta rays is that when they meet another manta ray, their um, this, their white spots on their backs will expand and contract. And this didn't happen when they were looking in the mirror. So that was that demonstrated that they they didn't think that they were looking at another manta ray. They knew that they were looking at themselves. Um, so the conclusion is that mantas have compl- complex brains. And uh, that allows for consciousness that only is seen in a rare selection of animals, and none of which are fish. Hmm. So they are they are the smartest fish. Nice, smart fish. You can say that they are 
Mysterio Reds. Mysterios. <laughs> yeah, of course that went in. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, that's all I got. You got anything else? That's all I got. So that's the manta ray, the world's smartest fish. So for you out there in Podcastia, spread your cephalic fins. Practice good oceanic hygiene. And take a good long look at yourself in the mirror of self-awareness, like the manta ray here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners. Thanks for listening to the end of the episode. For your loyalty, you get a shameless self-promotion from us. If you haven't already, leaving a review on your favorite podcast app can really help us grow. But telling your podcast-loving friends about us is even better. Also, don't forget to send in your measure-up intros and animal suggestions to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. As always, thanks, most of all, for listening. Oh, I forgot to include the fact that they are the only vertebrates that have six appendages. Oh, I'll put it at the end.